on this edition of Life on the Run. What if instead of praying, God, what can you do for me? What if instead we prayed, God, what can I do for you? Life moves fast, and we don't often take a moment to hit the brakes and slow down. Do you want to take your life and your faith to the next level? Join Pastor Dale Sism as he shines a light on what it truly means to love God, serve people, and share Christ in your area of influence. This is Life on the Run, a weekly podcast designed to help more people find true life in Jesus Christ. We have been in a series over the last uh, couple weeks that we're going to end it today uh, called Dangerous Prayers. And I'm excited about this series uh, because as we talked about, so many of us, we pray safe prayers. Uh, Prayers of God, just help me today. That's a safe prayer. Uh, God, give me a good day. That's a safe prayer. Or sometimes, as I used to say when I was young, I don't know how this translates into Spanish, but rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Anybody ever said that one? All right. So that's a safe prayer. So this morning, what we want to do is is we want to end this series here this morning on on dangerous prayers. I love reading. And we talked about earlier the prayer cards. I really love reading each and every one of the prayer cards, praying over them. We have people that read them every single week. And, uh, and then I love just going over them and praying, praying specifically for you. And what I love about the prayer cards is that they are all individual. They are all very personal. Uh, they are all very unique. And and, uh, and as you pray for the various needs that are in your life. And we love praying for them. And yet, even though each and every prayer card is unique and each and every prayer is very personalized and individualized, there is a commonality between all of the prayers. Whether it's praying for your health or praying for that you get a new job or praying that so-and-so would be made well, uh, praying for your neighbor, whatever it may be, the majority of the prayers that we write down on here are all about what God can do for us. What God can do for us. But what if, instead of praying, God, what can you do for me? What if instead we prayed, God, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? That is a dangerous prayer. Because God just may answer that prayer. When you pray, God, what can I do for you? It flips it back on his head. I remember hearing the the famous line that President John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And this is the same principle. Instead of asking God, God, what can you do for me? Ask, 
God, what can I do for you? And that changes it. That changes the whole dynamic and it moves it from where we have talked about earlier, a confessional prayer or a transformational prayer. This is now a missional prayer. It's a prayer of availability. God, here I am. I'm making myself available to you. So in this series, as we've looked through these three dangerous prayers, God, search me. In other words, God, search my heart, know my fears, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is a confessional prayer because you're inviting God to show you what he sees so that you can see what God sees and then you can confess it back to God and ask for cleansing and forgiveness. The second one last Sunday was... Save me. Save me is a transformational prayer. We pray that prayer when we first are born again, but the word save me encompasses every area of our life. The, the original Greek word means spirit, soul, and body. God, that you would save me, protect me, preserve me, deliver me, heal me, make me whole. And so it's a word, it's a prayer that we would pray continually to God. God, save me. God, transform my life life every day into the image of Christ so that today I look more like Jesus than what I did yesterday. And so that is a transformational prayer. You're not praying to be born again, again, again. You are born again, but you are asking God to transform your life. How many need God to transform your life? Thirdly, Today is, we're going to talk about send me. Send me is this missional prayer. It is a prayer of availability. You're not saying, God, use me only if, if I have the ability, but rather you are making yourself available to God. God, here I am. Use me. And the reason this is a dangerous prayer is because God will answer that prayer and may have you do something that isn't even on your radar, something that you haven't even planned out for the next week or maybe the day, the week, the month, the year, or maybe even your life. All throughout Scripture, God calls people to do a very specific task and a very specific assignment. I think of the story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a young person. He was just a teenager. We know him later on as the weeping prophet, the one who called Israel back to repentance and back to God. But when Jeremiah was just a teenager... God spoke to him and he said this. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. By the way, I believe every baby has a purpose, even before they are born. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every person. And God is saying here to Jeremiah 
that even before you were born, I knew you and I had a plan for you. By the way, young people, the Bible and the plan and the calling of God isn't just for adults. Don't think, well, I'll serve God when I get old. I'll serve God when I become an adult. No, God calls you even as a young person, even as a youth. And so here God says, I formed you and I called you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So when God calls, there are three responses that we can have. Because again, God calls us for a specific plan and a purpose, an assignment, a mission. But here we have a response. And there are three responses that we read about in the Bible. Let's look at these. The first one, anybody remember Jonah? Jonah in the Bible. Here is Jonah's response. Here I am. I'm not going. That's Jonah's response. Here I am, but I'm not going. You, you can send someone else if you want, but I am not going. So let's look at this. Jonah chapter 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amity. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Anybody ever got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord? There are times that God calls us and asks us to do things. And, and, and sometimes we just say, nice idea, God, but I am not doing that. I remember one time I'm sitting at a stoplight and there is a car in front of me and the light turned green, but the car didn't move. Anybody ever have that happen? And I know because you're all good Christian folk, you just sit there and you just wait patiently until they're off of their cell phone. And so I sat there and, and uh, just kind of waited that two, three seconds for them to realize that, oh, the light turned green, get my, put my phone down, get my foot off the brake and put it onto the gas. And well, it went longer than two or three seconds. And so I did the very Christian thing I could do. I went beep, beep. And just honk my horn a little bit, and they didn't move. And, and I'm in a hurry. I'm frustrated. And all of a sudden, I just go, fine. And I went all around them and went on my merry way. And as I passed them, I really sensed the Lord say, you need to stop and help them. I'm too busy. Someone else. They've got AAA. They'll call. And, and I went on my way. And I've thought about that event. For whatever reason, that single event has come back in my mind many, many times. Here am I, but I am not going. Here's the second one. Anybody remember Moses? Here am I, but send someone else. Here am I, but send someone else. Exodus chapter 3 verse 10. God says, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And for the rest of chapter 3 and into chapter 4, Moses is doing what you and I do is we come up with excuses why God choosing me is a really bad idea. 
I am not going. I, I am not gifted. I am not talented. I can't speak. I'm too old. I'm uneducated. I'm, I'm too young. I, I need to finish college. I need to get my career established. I need to get make sure I got money in the bank. I've got children at home. I've got this. I've got that. And we come up with all of these excuses of why God choosing me is a bad idea. So we say, here am I, but send someone else. And that's exactly what Moses said. Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. He said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. I'm not going. They can go. They have more time. They're younger. They can do it. I'm not going to give God. They can give because they've got more money. I, I've got too many expenses, God. I can't give. I, my, my cash is tied up. I can't do it. I just can't do it now. Here am I, but send someone else. So we use the same excuse as Moses. The third excuse is what we're going to read about here in the book of Isaiah. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, we read this story. It says this, Isaiah speaking, Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who shall I send? Who shall go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. What I love about this story is Isaiah did not ask any qualifying questions. He didn't say, can you break this down for me? Can you tell me how much it's going to cost? Can you tell me how long I'm going to be gone? Can you give me this specifics and the particulars and when I when I digest all of the information and I run it through my my advisors and I run it through and get all kinds of of input back then then I'll decide what to do Isaiah did not do that he just simply wrote a blank check to God here I am send me and I believe this is what God is asking of us God here am I. I'm making myself available to you. It doesn't matter what my ability is. What matters is my availability to you. Isaiah had no clue what God was asking of him. It was just a blank agreement. Wherever you need me to go, here I am. Send me. Whatever you need me to say, here I am. Send me. Wherever you need me to go, here I am. Send me. That was Isaiah's response. Back in the 1990s, so this is almost 30 years ago now, I was having lunch with a group of people that had been in ministry and had done ministry, lived in Sweden for a number of years. And, and one of them said, you need to come. You need to come to Sweden with me. And, and I said, all right, when do we leave? And, and they said, well, you know, you can just take some time to think about it and pray about it. And I said, I did. And they said, well, what do you mean you did? I said, when I gave my life to Christ, I said, I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll say what you tell me to say. I'll do what you tell me to do. So I already prayed about it. Let's go. 
Now that doesn't mean we don't pray. That doesn't mean that we don't break it down or that we don't cover things in prayer or we don't seek God's leading and we don't, we don't seek God's guidance. Of course we do all of that. But there comes an attitude, and it was one of those moments in my life where, where I just knew that I knew that I knew that I had to respond immediately. Let's go. When do we leave? And God opened up many wonderful doors as a result of that. See, the reason this is a dangerous prayer is because God will interrupt you. God will have you and invite you to do things and to join him in his grand mission things that were not even on your radar so how do we get there how do we get past the here i am but i'm not going here i am but send someone else how do we get to this place of here i am send me how do we get this attitude well Let's go back and read the first verses here of Isaiah chapter 6. And this will give us a clue of how to really prepare our heart so that we can respond to God saying, here I am, send me. Number one is this. Elevate your view of God. Elevate your view of God. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each one with six wings, and with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. By the way, heaven is going to be so grand. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? And they were calling to one another, holy Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, when Isaiah had this genuine upward vision of God, his, his view of God was elevated. God wasn't just a, a, a foreign being. He wasn't just this cosmic genie in the sky that just grants all of these good wishes that, that we pray for. But he is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He saw God being set apart from anything and everyone else. He saw God's holiness. And when he experienced the very presence of God in his life, he was able to say, here I am, send me. By the way, if you haven't found yourself available to God, maybe it's because you haven't had a genuine experience with the presence of God. And let me encourage you to elevate your view of God. Instead of fitting God into your parameters, put your life into His. Put your life into who He is. And let Him be everything to you. And so when you elevate your view of God and realize he's mighty, he's majestic, he's all-encompassing, he's the creator of the universe at the same time as being your heavenly father, then you can, you can come boldly to him and say, here I am, send me. And by the way, if you've never experienced God's presence, you can. You can do it in your car. You can do it in a worship service. You can do it in the shower. God speaks to me in the shower sometimes. Um, 
elevate your view of God. Number two is this. See the ugliness of your own sin. This is the one we try to avoid, but Isaiah could not avoid it at all. When he had an upward vision of God in his holiness, he had an inward vision of his own sinfulness. And when you see who you are on the inside, this really comes back to that confessional prayer of God, search me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Clearing our heart and clearing our life before God is the prerequisite to being used by God. Look at Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. Isaiah says, woe to me. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. In other words, when you get an in upward vision of God, you will now have an inward vision of yourself. Isaiah said, He is holy, I'm not. He is pure, I'm impure. He is clean, I'm unclean. Why? Because my eyes have seen the Lord. He had an inward vision of his own sinfulness because of his upward vision of God's holiness. But the goodness of God doesn't let us stay in that condition. In fact, sinfulness can only be temporary if we choose. Number three is this, embrace the cleansing of forgiveness. Embrace the cleansing of forgiveness. Look at verse 6 with me. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tong with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. What he had is he had an upward vision. He had a vision of God. And in this vision, he saw his own impurity, but God didn't let him stay that way. But instead, God took the, uh, 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 with the tongs, he took a fire out of the, out of the, uh, a coal out of the fire off of the altar, and he put it on his lips, and he says, your lips are pure. In other words, your lips are no longer impure, but your lips are pure. They're cleaned. Your sin has been atoned for. He saw the presence of God and recognized his own sinfulness. And then with one touch, his sins were forgiven. That's the grace and the love of God that he forgives and he cleanses our sin. How many does he forgive? All of them. All of them. Every single one. He cleanses and he forgives. You mean that sin? Yes, that one. But what about that? Yeah, that one too. Every single one. Cheat on your taxes. Forgiven. <laughs> oh, that lustful thought? Forgiven. That whatever you did? Forgiven. Getting mad and angry? Forgiven. He forgives. The cleansing of forgiveness. And like the cold, Jesus... He went to the cross. This is the analogy here. Jesus went to the cross and he forgave our sins. 
and our sins are cleansed, everyone. We bring nothing to God, church. We bring nothing to him. Isaiah had nothing to offer God except himself. We bring nothing to God, but he brings, God brings everything to us. Everything to us. Lastly, number four. When we've had this upward vision of God and an inward vision of our own sinfulness, and then we've received the cleansing of forgiveness, then we can dive into the challenge of service. We can head forward in it. And we can be like Isaiah. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. And it does not become a duty then, but rather it becomes a delight. It becomes a joy that, God, here I am. I, I'm just making myself available to you. Here I am. Send me. Use me. Whatever you call me to do, God, I'm just making myself available. And when you do that, when you, when you say, God, here I am, God will open up avenues and open up doors for you to be an extension of his love and his grace into the people around you. God will bring people across your path and he allows you and me to meet their needs. In other words, we get to serve God. We don't have to serve God. We get to serve God. There's a huge difference between those two. We can pay for the meal of the car behind us that's driving through the drive-thru. We don't have to, but we get to. We can carry an elderly person's groceries to the car. We don't have to, but we get to. We can stop and help the person at the traffic light whose car is stalled. We don't have to, but we get to. And we get to be the extension of God's love and grace to the people around us. I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but when you make yourself available to God, there's a war that goes on on the inside of us because our flesh doesn't want to obey God. Our flesh says, no, take care of me. I'm not going to send someone else. That's the flesh. But how we get rid of that is by making sure we don't feed the flesh. If you starve the flesh, it will die. But if we would feed our spirit, our spirit would grow. If we starve our spirit, our spirit will die. But we feed our spirit by reading scripture, by doing what we're doing today. Worshiping God, coming to church, being in fellowship with one another, connecting in a small group, getting involved in the lives of other people. Because I, let me tell you, if you stay stranded on a deserted island, you're, you're not going to grow in your faith. You feed the flesh, the flesh will grow. You starve the flesh, the flesh will die. You feed your spirit. Your spirit will grow. But if you starve it, it will die. That's why Paul says, I, I die daily. I'm going to die to my flesh daily. I'm dying to myself every day so that Christ would live in me. And when Christ is living inside of us, then, then we, can, we can fully say, God, here I am. Send me. 
So why don't more Christ followers pray this prayer? It's because it's a dangerous prayer. God may, some people say, well, I'm just not going to pray that prayer because God just may send me to Africa. (laughs) Well, he might send you to Africa. That's the point. He He might interrupt your life. He might interrupt your schedule. He might invite you to join him in his grand mission of things that were not on your radar. And and it doesn't have to be going to Africa. It can begin right in your own workplace. Praying for someone. Stopping and listening to someone who's hurting. Buying lunch for a single mom and her three kids. And there's a lot of things that are actually big things. That when you just do a lot of little things in your daily life, they become big things to God. It may be as simple as prompting you to serve here at church. Prompting you to lead a small group. You say, ah, here I am, God, but I'm not doing that. Or he may prompt you to to help in nursery or children's church. No, here I am, but send someone else. Or we can be like Isaiah and say, here am I, send me. He may invite you to increase your tithe and your giving. Instead of being comfortable in your level, trust him with more. Because all you have is his anyway. Here I am, send me. If you're calling me, the answer is yes. I was talking with a a young person not long ago that God is stirring in their heart about missions. And and I, I said this, I said you can either live with a green light life or a red light life. The red light life is... God brings an opportunity across your path and you stop back and you say, well, I don't know. I just, I need to get more educated. I need to get more prepared. I need to get more equipped. I need to just make sure that that's God's plan, that that's God's will for my life. And so everything is a red light for you. Or you can live with a green light life. That, that whenever God calls, the automatic, automatic answer is Yes. Here I am, God, send me. This is the way Paul lived. I'm going to go. I'm just going to preach the gospel. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. Everything was a yes to Paul until God said, no, I don't want you to go into Asia. He says, all right, well, I'll go over here. And that's the way Paul lived his life. Everything was a green light for Paul. Wherever there is an opportunity to share the gospel, I'm going to share Paul had the attitude of, here I am, send me. This is my invitation for you this morning. Be predisposed to say yes. And I'm going to invite you this week, every day this week, to just simply say this prayer. Here I am, send me. When you wake up in the morning, say, God, what is it that you would have for me to do today? What is it, God, that you would put on my agenda today? God, where are you leading me today? Who do you want me to connect with today? 
God, I open myself up that whatever open doors you bring my way, I'm going to walk through them because I'm trusting God that you are leading me and you are guiding me. So get an upward vision of God. Elevate your view of him. Have an inward vision. God, here I am. I see my own sinfulness, the things that are blocking me from fully serving you. And I receive your forgiveness. And when you have that upward vision and an inward vision, then you can have an outward vision. And you can see the needs of people around you. And you can say, here I am, God. Send me. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Would you open up your heart to him today? Practice this word to God. Yes. Here I am, God. Send me. Here I am, God. Send me. Would you just even open your hands before the Lord? Just as a way of making yourself available to God. Lifting your hands is a way of surrender. God, I'm surrendering my life to you today. Here I am. Send me. God, I'm making myself available to you. Whatever you ask me to do, I will do. Whatever you ask me to say, I will say. Wherever you call me to go, I will go. I don't want to be like Jonah. I don't want to be like Moses. It says, I'm not going, send someone else. I want to be like Isaiah. I want to be like Paul. It says, here I am. Send me. Pray for those this morning, Father, who maybe today need to make a fresh surrender. Maybe they need to embrace the cleansing of forgiveness. They see the areas in their life they know are not pleasing to you. But today would be the first day of the rest of their life. God, here I am. I ask for your forgiveness, O oh God. Cleanse my heart. Help me, God, to live this day, every day, for you. I bow my life to the Lord Jesus. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Transform me. Use me for your kingdom work, for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. So I invite you every day, pray that prayer. This week, here I am, send me. And let me tell you, let me just end with this thought. Here we are as a church. 
the future of our church rests with those words. The future of our church, God put us here. We didn't put us here. God put us here. The future of our church rests with those words. Here I am. Send me. Because all that God has planned for us will not happen. Let me repeat that. All that God has for us will not happen if we remain saying, here I am, but I'm not going. Here I am, use that church. Send them. Our future, God puts in our hands. And the choices are ours. And it rests upon this decision. Here I am. Send me. This isn't just a sermon. This isn't just something to fill up a series. This isn't just something we throw in the calendar as a good sermon to do by the end of the year. The future of our church rests upon those words. Here I am. Send me. And if we will embrace that, oh man, watch out what God will do. Because he will do incredible things when we surrender our heart and our life fully and wholly to his plan and his will and his purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Life on the Run. Find show notes, video, and much more on our website at eplife.org. Join our Facebook community at eplife.org forward slash Facebook. To support the work and ministry of Life Church, head to eplife.org forward slash giving. Life Church is located in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and our weekly services are at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And join us next week for Life on the Run podcast so that you can leave your mark on the world by hitting the brakes, increasing your faith, and living out your life for Christ. 